I'm Terence C. Gannon, and this is the Not There Yet podcast, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I didn't have time to write a short letter, so I wrote a long one instead. Mark Twain's life did not overlap Twitter's by nearly a century, but he still managed to provide the single best commentary of what Twitter is and should continue to be. Brevity is Twitter's essence, and that should never change. Any idea which takes more than 280 characters clearly needs more work, a modern-day Twain might have said. Twitter's enforced brevity is not a constraint. It's liberation. Forcing my verbose, disorganized thoughts into 50 words or less makes them better, not worse. Apart from that one thing, however, almost everything else about Twitter needs to change. If you want to see people at their absolute worst, give them anonymity. Add the cover of others who are similarly anonymous, assemble them into a tribe, fuel them with a little anger, and you have the only ingredients necessary for a certain disaster. Examine the worst examples of humans' atrocious behavior towards others, and you won't have to look far to find a relatively normal society turned monstrous in the form of a faceless, angry mob. Their anonymity prevents any notion of accountability. The gravitational pull of social norms no longer applies and chaos is the result. This is essentially where Twitter is today. So, no more anonymous participation in the Twitterverse. Yep, you heard that right. No more clever handles, cute nicknames, or parody accounts. We will all know who you are and, in a broad sense, where you live. Everybody has a blue verified badge. If, for whatever reason, a prospective user can't meet that still relatively low bar, then they are not welcome to tweet. It's just that simple. To resource the massive effort which will be required to establish this one-to-one mapping of accounts to actual, identifiable human beings, Twitter would take all the resources currently doing content moderation and shift them over to account verification. The sudden shutdown of Twitter's moderation department, such as it is, won't matter much. Twitter, along with most other social networks, have a near-perfect track record of abysmal failure in content moderation. That's not really their fault, though. The leaders of these social networks are spectacularly unqualified to determine what content belongs on their platforms and what doesn't. Getting mad at them for an objectionable video or for messing with elections is like getting mad at the plumbers when the leaky faucet you called them to fix flows fluoridated water. Or doesn't, depending on which side of that thorny issue you stand. What makes more sense is to have the only slightly less unqualified city council wrestle with whether we fluoridate or not. In that regard, we can focus our fury, or delight, on them, which is where it should be. Instead of content moderation on Twitter, there would simply be radical accountability for what is tweeted by the person who tweeted it. 
There are already plenty of laws which protect or limit free speech, which can be mapped through the platform to the individual who is the source of that speech. That person will then bear 100% of the responsibility for what they say. They will enjoy free speech protections already on the books. They will also be limited by statutes on hate speech and other content society through a political process has deemed unacceptable. Violating any of these laws, either on a sheet of paper, at Speaker's Corner, or on Twitter, makes not one whit of difference in how they are handled and the attendant consequences. If I were Jack Dorsey, I would be running towards this imaginary future as fast as possible, rather than continuing to fight a hopeless, ultimately losing battle to be anything more than the plumber. Hashtags have got to go. Well, maybe not all of them, but most of them. And the ones left still need to change. There should be no more than, say, three per tweet as a rigidly enforced limitation. Their scarcity means you will actually have to think about them a little. I even see these vestigial hashtags being shifted out of the 280-character budget, similar to the way images were a while back. Then everyone will finally realize the hash character actually serves no useful purpose other than to provide even more visual clutter. The new hashtags, just plain old tags is what they really are, should be given their own screen real estate, separate from the main text. While Twitter software engineers have their patient open, they might as well soup up the ability to find and reuse existing tags, emphasizing that over creating new ones. This is so tags actually return to what was intended in the original design of Twitter. Categorize content so it forms part of a broader conversation on a given subject. But wait a sec, you might say. Don't hashtags allow me to discover tweets I might not otherwise have seen? Back when Twitter was starting out and computing resources were somewhat constrained, indexing algorithms would have required the specific identification of the words to include in the index, which is what the hash character prefix did. But technology has caught up and overtaken this original concept. Every meaningful word in a tweet is now indexed, just like it is in Google. Doubters can prove this to themselves by going to the search box in Twitter and type in whatever search terms they want. They can do so without the slightest regard for whether these terms are hashtags or not. The search will still return the best results even if the search terms are found in the non-hashtag text. In that case, what's the hashtag actually doing? Hashtags are also pretty easy to abuse in at least a few ways, all of which make Twitter less useful. The first is when the tweeter uses certain hashtags solely to attract impressions as opposed to accurately reflecting the tweet's content. This does nothing but contaminate the pool of tweets for which the hashtag does accurately describe the tweet's content. The second form of abuse is to make more or less every word a hashtag. This is a waste of time because, evidently, it's the way the Twitter index is already working. The third form of abuse is the hashtag chosen for its uniqueness rather than its ability to broadly categorize. Something like Mark's Lousy Barbecue, for example, and often added at the end of a tweet as a punchline. It may deliver comedically, 
but otherwise serves absolutely no purpose other than maybe highlight the text in a contrasting color and make it clickable. Promoted tweets, similar to hashtags, also have to be thrown over Twitter's transom, allowing Twitter users to buy their way into any feed anytime they want degrades the quality of these feeds. Furthermore, Twitter inserting a promoted tweet into your feed is a zero-sum game. It's in their best interest to squeeze in as many as they can because the more they do, the more money they make. On the other side of the ledger, the more they clutter up your feed with what is just advertising by another name, the more your experience of Twitter is degraded. Twitter is betting that it won't be so miserable an experience you end up reducing your use of Twitter or, horrors, quitting the platform altogether. So long as Twitter remains one baby step back from these precipitous cliffs, they make money. Lots of it. However, there is a more subtle, more broadly experienced, and more pernicious impact of promoted tweets. This is the ability to tilt public opinion based on how much money you are willing to spend. It's yet another opportunity for those who have to shout louder over those who have not, regardless of the merit of the shouter's ideas. That's not inherently wrong, but it relegates Twitter to being another version of traditional broadcast media rather than the interactive, playing-field leveling platform it was originally intended to be. To illustrate, let's look at both ends of the spectrum. At one end there is, candidly, a guy like me. I have exactly zero dollars available for promoted tweets. The only way my tweets are going to show up in your feed is either for you to voluntarily follow me or for the content of my tweet to satisfy the search criteria you specify, regardless of whether you follow me or not. In other words... My tweets show up because you choose to opt into my scintillating feed or where what I'm saying is of sufficient interest to you. In either case, what's important is that you are in control, not me. I have to earn the impression from you, and that's really, really hard. At the other end of the spectrum are individuals or organizations who do have money to spend on promoted tweets, in some cases, tons of it. A well-funded political action committee, for example, can buy their way into the Twitter feed of just about everybody who's even vaguely related to their target demographic. The person or organization spending the money is in control, not you. They didn't earn your attention. They bought it, without your consent. It makes Twitter kind of like politics in a broader sense, until such time that you get the big money out of it, it's corruptible by that money. Similarly, until you get the big money out of Twitter, for promoted tweets at least, it too is corruptible. This is likely the point where you think I have either totally taken leave of my senses or fundamentally don't understand how Twitter makes money. Or both. I'm pretty sure the former isn't the case, at least not quite yet. And I am well aware promoted tweets are at the core of Twitter's revenue model. For the moment, at least, I'm going to ignore that fact. I am not 
naive. There is not a chance in hell Twitter is going to adopt any of these ideas. Not now, certainly, and probably not ever. The status quo has just too much money being made by too many people. If the hallmark of Twitter's core brand is brevity, however, there may be some wiggle room in that for a sub-brand, which I will call Twitter Plus. First, Twitter Plus will be strictly opt-in. If you want to convert your account, you must first agree to the principle of radical accountability, to take responsibility for what you say, just like in real life. You would know, going in, if you violate the laws of the jurisdiction in which you live, you will be afforded no protection by the platform. If you can't live with that, don't join. You will also be okay with limiting yourself to the restrictive new content tagging system. What you lose in your ability to jauntily express your ideas with the old hashtags will be compensated by having content categorization which is actually useful for something. When you filter by tag, you will have a fighting chance the tweets which contain that tag are on point. Finally, and this is the big one, you would be willing to pay a subscription fee. This would be the sole source of revenue for Twitter Plus. Let's start with a buck a month for the basic service. Pay monthly, cancel anytime. Would you be willing to pay that to know you're not dealing with some bot churning out clickbait tweets by the thousands? To never see another promoted tweet again? To know it's actually a fair fight in the battle for the best idea? To know you're not an unwitting participant in the willful destruction of democracy? Would you pay that subscription fee if, at some point, you could filter out all the old-style Twitter accounts en masse because the signal-to-noise ratio is just so unbearably low. I certainly would. Would you? Terence Gannon, and I don't know quite where I am, other than to know I'm not there yet. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. The Not There Yet podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. In each episode, I like to introduce fellow members of the network, and in this case, it's for a show which is directly related to this episode of the Not There Yet podcast. Linda Wang hosts the Don't Call Me a Guru podcast out of Edmonton, Alberta. As she describes it, it's a monthly podcast about social media strategy from a social media strategist featuring social media people. In particular, I'm recommending Linda's episode 25, which is entitled Social Media in Journalism and Politics. Her guest is Canadian Senator Paula Simons, who pioneered the use of Twitter at the Edmonton Journal, and then, in a brilliant second act, 
Scooter's use in the stuffy, stodgy, painfully old-fashioned Canadian Senate. It's an exuberant and engaging discussion which speaks directly to at least some of the issues raised in this episode of the Not There Yet podcast. You can find Don't Call Me a Guru, along with tons of other great Made in Alberta podcasts, at albertapodcastnetwork.com. That's just the way it sounds. No spaces. Not There Yet is a regular series of eclectic essays podcasted from the second decade of the 21st century. They are all written and narrated by me, and the entire production is wholly owned by Interlog Inc. of Calgary, Canada. All rights are reserved. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, and then rate or review the show on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps. There is no question that social media has dramatically altered the communications landscape, which is a trend which will continue to change society in some profound ways, some good and some not so good. ATB, which powers the Alberta Podcast Network, is well aware of the impact of technology on society and its ability to disrupt the status quo. This is why I think ATB's new program, ATB Alpha Beta, is so interesting and so important. The Alpha Beta program is about transformation, and to do that, ATB is bringing together world-class talent to change how humans experience technology, especially in banking. By combining cutting-edge technology and banking, it's just one more way ATB is working on being relentlessly inventive for Albertans' greater good. You can check out all of ATB Alpha Beta's opportunities and to learn how ATB is transforming banking at atbalphabeta.com. Thank you again for listening, and I'll be back soon with another episode. Please be in touch on any one of our social platforms. We're on all of them, including Twitter, of course. And until then, remember, it's all about the journey, not the destination. It really doesn't matter if you're not there.